Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yes, hi everyone, and welcome to episode 5 of the Gagan Pod, and what on earth are we going to talk about today? Optus Sport Editor David Wiener with you here once again on the day after Jose Mourinho is gone from Manchester United. So much to talk about, and to do so, we've got a great panel here for you. Welcome back to Optus Sport, David Squires, great to see you. Hello, how are you? I'm very good, and we've got a lot to get through, and I'm really pumped about it. Chad Gibson, Local FC, is back for another episode of the Gagan Pod. How are you, mate? Very well, mate. Not too great after that Arsenal weekend, but otherwise pretty good. Brilliant. And a new guest here for us on the Gagan Pod. We're all about fresh voices and new opinions for uh, the football conversation. And we've replaced 400-odd caps from last week's episode with just about the same with one man who's done it himself with Dundee, Rangers, Cardiff, Aberdeen. Gavin Ray, welcome. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. Well, gents, what a night in England where I think we're all... Even though we all thought that Mourinho's tenure at Manchester United was on tenor hooks, the actual decision to sack him then and there actually caught a lot of people by surprise. And it's typical shockwaves and, and reaction around the globe. Um, and I'm just going to go to one man's Twitter feed who sits here. Let me just bring it up. David Squires, quote unquote, last night. Don't sack him before I finish this week's cartoon. Don't sack him before I finish <laughs> this week's cartoon. Repeat, 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 repeat. Bit later. Bastards. Yeah. How have you pulled up, they Dave? Absolutely did me there. <laughs> Fair play to him. Like I've got a lot of material out of Jose Marino the last two or three years. And this was his ultimate revenge. Uh, not entirely his choice, of course, but um I literally just filed my cartoon and then the editor emailed me back and said, mm, they've sacked him. You're gonna have to change pretty much all of it. Um so it was a bit of a late night for me. So you're the implication here is that I'm the real victim in this story, and that is entirely correct. <laughs> Chad, why, why now? Why do you think it was now? Um, yeah, I, I don't. I think it's probably got to a stage where they had to make a decision, but it's an interesting one. We were saying before, have they just written off the season? Um, I think times have changed in football. You get rid of Mourinho, and yeah, it's a 24 million pound severance package, but your players are happy now. They're probably in there today, rejuvenated. Um, it's a lot easier to get rid of Mourinho than the players. Um, I think it's a bigger problem than Mourinho. Um, they haven't recovered from Fergie uh, and the way, that, and we were saying before, the way that the club was left in the transition. But that's now three managers. I don't know. In transfer fees, I don't even know what they're up to. Lost count, but it'd be um, north of His was $400 million, I think. Um, his hotel bill was half a million. Um, I think Mourinho is part of the problem. But I think there's a bigger problem within the club. Um, lost identity, lost culture, and I think also pinpointing him and saying he's the problem, yes, he's a part of it, but there's also the people that are making decisions on signing off on players, on, on where the club's going. And what? how many years is that now from Fergie era? Four, four five, five years? years? Yeah. Was he left? They're, they're still in the same position. 
maybe worse. So where do they go from here is a really, really interesting fact. Lots to follow up from you there. Gav, what was your immediate reaction um, to the news last night? A little bit surprised, like coming out without anyone sort of knowing straight away that it was coming. But, you know, I think after the weekend, um, obviously the result, and it was quite a toothless performance against Liverpool. You've got Paul Pogba on the bench, not even used. Nobody looks happy at United. Um, and that's and even Mourinho didn't even look happy. So it's not a way for a top club to be running um, for them to get success. So it was it was always looked like it was coming. It was like from the start of the season, it looked like it was going to come, but it just kept he kept going and kept getting results here and there. And, and but now, obviously, they've taken that decision. And I agree, Charlie. You know, where do they go from here? You know, there's so much wrong at that club, which is a shame for such a big club. Well, the timing. I'm still getting my head around the timing of now, and, and I've got two possible ideas why and, and the next fixtures over the Christmas period are Cardiff, Huddersfield, Bournemouth and Newcastle. Very winnable games so you think on one hand well, if, they've kept, if they kept Mourinho there they could have actually stabilised the season but on the other hand it could have been World War 3 if the current form had continued and they, they struggled in those games. On the flip side if uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer comes in, Laurent Blanc, the firefighter a former player that they're talking about it's not the worst start for them to come in and try and rescue this season. Are there any immediate prospects this year Dave Ultimately, this is a squad with some damn good players still. I think if um, I think they've ridden off this season already, and um, if they do appoint Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, is is being suggested, um, it seems to me that that's an appointment that will appease the fans on an emotional level, someone with an emotional connection to the club. But um, it doesn't. Again, it. It speaks to the, the lack of long-term planning mm. at that club that, as Chad was saying, that's been endemic at United for years since Ferguson left. And even before, they had so much success in the in the 90s that having this dictator manager became the, the model for a successful club as they saw it. Um, and if you look at the structure at United, they don't have a director of football. There's no connection between the person who's coaching the, the players, managing the players, and the, the hierarchy who buy the players. Um, so it needs a complete overhaul, I think, but that's probably not going to happen while you've still got the current ownership. There's no motivation to change things. They're still turning a profit. They're still able to take out millions of pounds each year. Um, so as long as they're fifth or sixth in the Premier League, it only becomes really problematic when you reach a stage where Jose Mourinho has recently, where his position almost becomes untenable due to the amount of criticism from the media, from their own supporters. Um, so it's a bit of a mess. Worst start since the 1990 season. Already considered more goals than last season. Interestingly, if they were in... I don't know what this actually means, but the stat just sounds great anyway. If they are in La Liga, they'd be in the relegation zone. Um, they're, they're closer to the relegation Huesco. zone. <laughs> yeah, I don't Huesco. even know what it means. It's just a great stat. Um, they're closer to the relegation zone than they are to the to the top of the table in England but Chad uh, touching on your point about Fergie off what Dave said um, Mourinho has huge culpability here for the current form obviously but how and much Wood, and Woodward and Ed, so that's what I was gonna, I'm going to ask is how much is his theatrics and the cult of Mourinho actually just a distraction, distraction from the, the, the deep seated problems that the club actually has festering there in, in the way they run um, and at, for me at the end of the day it's Man United we're talking about yeah and same when he was at Real Madrid, like there's a certain way you carry yourself when you're at these clubs. Managers come in with their own 
deals, but the culture of the club should always stay the same. Now, I was reading an article the other day that with the when the Spanish team there was friction with players from Real Madrid and Barcelona mm. for the first time in a long time because of when Mourinho was at Real Madrid. When you're at Real Madrid, there's a certain way you carry yourself. The same at Arsenal, I feel. An Arsenal fan, an Arsenal player, anyone in the co- there's a certain way an Arsenal person carries himself, and that should never change. I think that's changed at Man United from the 90s of who they were, a winning team. They're now going to games. You're saying the last four games that you're talking about that they've got coming up. Back in the day, they wouldn't even blink. Mm. That's four wins, you know, and that that's changed. But I think, you know, what we spoke about before, it's that there's no planning because there is no ramifications. They go spend whatever they spend on Alexis Sanchez. He's on half a million dollars a week and he's just sitting there. But there's no ramifications of who made that signing. What is the plan for, not the next six months, that's not a problem because they've obviously written it off. What's the plan for the next five years? That's three managers now in four years. The other thing with um, with Mourinho is that United knew what they were getting mm. and they that was a gamble that they were prepared to make, I think, that he would conduct himself in a certain way and that as long as he was successful, they were willing to, to accept that. I mean, he was hired on the back of a season at Chelsea, which was as disastrous as this one has yeah. been for United. Totally you know, right. he had the incident with Dr. Eva, um, all kinds of stuff, all kind of terrible stories were coming out from the, from that club. Uh, his time at Real Madrid ended in the same way, like so much uh, animosity and just spite, you know, and it seems like his model of coaching and managing is quickly becoming outdated he doesn't have he doesn't seem able to um communicate with with the players um or um relate to them like a younger generation yeah i'm quite an i'm quite an old bastard myself now and you know i speak to my nephews i've got no idea what they're talking about but i'm not trying to sort of motivate them to go and you know take on liverpool's midfield three it's kind of fitting and a bit eerie in a way that it was almost, I think it was three years to the day from his Chelsea sacking to his Manchester United sacking. And it was a gamble in the sense that we could have all sat here on the other side of the world. And I, you know, in, in my role, previous role, we even wrote about it. Again, it's from the other side of the world, looking at what might happen with the risks United took with Mourinho. And it's amazing the self-fulfilling prophecy actually played out. You know, this is who he is. This is how he manages. This is the blaze of destruction he leads. And... We talk about this, him staying at the Lowry Hotel, 895 days there. Well, the running joke, I love this gag, is why does he stay at a hotel? Because he doesn't like to clean up after the mess he makes and leaves behind. And that's exactly what it is here, is the, the Mourinho, it's about Mourinho, it's not about the club. Uh, now, Gav, you're, a, you're a, um, starting your coaching career, you're in PL1 in New South Wales with uh, Hakoa Sydney City, and I'm fascinated to hear what you observe of the way that Mourinho coaches now. He was the coach 10 years ago, but now... Are those methods that you see and observe, I mean, are they redundant? Are they things that you can get away with with this generation coming through? I don't think so. Well, certainly from, you know, my own sort of experience, you know, the way, you know, being a former pro and the way that some of the coaches and managers used to speak to me, I certainly don't speak to the players nowadays like that because I don't think it resonates. I don't think they, re- they react to it. I think they just switch off and I think you've got to more, it's more about massaging their egos and trying to help them and, and boost their confidence. You talked about Man United, you know, taking a risk on Mourinho. He's obviously still one of the greatest managers ever. You know, you look at his record, so it's a calculated gamble, but it's obviously not worked. And he does leave that place of destruction when he leaves, which is unfortunate as well. But they certainly knew what they were taking on when he came on. 
but as I say, no one looks happy there. He doesn't seem to. I can't think of any Man United players that will be too unhappy that he's left, and that's that's a shame for such a big club. If you've got a guy like Juan Mata, the ultimate professional in my book, gentleman, not looking happy, something's wrong. Yeah, There's other sure. players that aren't happy, but when a guy like Juan Mata, like I've played, you've played with guys like that, yeah. that just everyone gets along with. They do no wrong. They play no games. Yeah. A guy like that is unhappy. Something is wrong. And going back to Mourinho. I do think his style of management has passed. It worked on an older generation. It worked on a Matarazzi, a John Terry, guys he could push. Whereas the younger generation, as you said, it doesn't work. And it's a different form of man management. And it's quite eerie that his key point as a, as a manager was man management is now outdated. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, Man United with a banging squad like some of their players are amazing yet he just hasn't been able to get them going yeah, on the um, the one matter thing I think him closing his blog was the, the final nail in the coffin for Jose yeah. like obviously everyone was subscribers to his blog the Glazers must have been reading it and just, <laughs> he's, he's closed his blog we've got to get rid of him um, but yeah it, it comes back to what we were saying earlier about relating to, to players so Gav, if you got if you had the the call tomorrow and they said, "Look, Solskjaer's not up to it. He's been here a day. <laughs> He's not doing it." Um, yeah, how would you how would you sort of start to try and and motivate that team and and get them functioning again? I honestly don't think it'd be that hard because they're such good players, and I think they just need maybe just a bit of fun, you know, fun back into the game. And football is about enjoying it. It's an enjoyable, meant to be an enjoyable game. It doesn't look like they're enjoying it. Get in there, boost them up, have a laugh with them, um, give them some confidence, and with the players they've got, they could be unbelievable again. You know, it's just about bringing that sort of mood up um, and moving on from from what's went on over the last wee while. It would not shock me because after he left Chelsea, Eden Hazard, your Fabregas's, the players that were supposedly the rotten core of the Chelsea team when he got sacked, went on and won the Premiership under Antonio Conte. Now I compare the. Um, well, he's got a virus, the virus of Paul Pogba that, that was leaked on the bench, not getting minutes against Liverpool in the marquee game, your biggest player not getting on the field. Mm. And I, I compare that directly to the, the viral vision of him during the World Cup, giving the halftime speech to France. I, my gut, just, and, and I, I'm not a former player, but my gut is I'm, we're going to see these players liberated in the coming weeks and come out and show their true colours, which leads us to who is the man to do that. And I suspect if there's reason why a former player might be coming in as a, as a firefighter, that's why they're going for that. Um, the question, I guess, we'll start with you, Gab, is, is who's next for United? Um, is it a Solskjaer? Is it Blanc? And then is it Pochettino? Is it Zidane? Yeah, I mean, the caretaker one's obviously always difficult. Um, Oli Solskjaer didn't do too well at Cardiff, obviously a former club of mine, so I'm not too keen on him getting the job. <laughs> Listen, obviously um, he's he's been there, he's got a bit of experience, and he's obviously a Man United legend, so I can understand why they would go for that. Um, obviously with Carrick there as well, I don't think they would go much wrong, and if they're going to give it to Solskjaer, they could easily give it to Carrick as well, I, I suppose, but longer term, I'd love uh, Zidane to get it, just because I'm a huge fan of Zidane and what he done, obviously, in his career, but also with Real Madrid, and if he could come uh, to Manchester, I'd be delighted. Off the back of a Benitez Mourinho double that he came in and cleaned up at Real, off the back of Van Gaal Mourinho double at United, there'd be some players at the Martial, Marcus Rashford, spring to mind that might relish 
a Zidane type character coming in. But if you're Mauricio Pochettino right now, Chad, are you having sleepless nights? Why? Why is he having sleepless Big decision? nights? Do you stay? Do you finish the legacy you're trying to build at Tottenham, or do you just uh, take the plump job? And which plump job is it? Real? Is it United? Yeah, I, I said with uh, as hard as it is for me to say, I really like Pochettino. He's a Spurs man, and I'm an Arsenal man. But I really like the guy. I think he's a, he's part of the new. He's the new Mourinho. He gets play players want to play for him now, and in ten years that might change again. But he's kind of for me the new. He's what Mourinho didn't evolve into, and this is not taking anything away from Mourinho and his legacy. It's amazing. Um, he did only stay clubs for I think three seasons. Mm-hmm. He's max at every club mm-hmm, yeah. that no one's ever brought that up. Yeah. Um, is not having sleepless nights. Why would you have sleepless nights? You got Man United. You're at Tottenham. You got Man United, and you got Real Madrid knocking on your door. You could literally demand your own fee if you go there. I look at him. He still hasn't won anything. That's my thing with him. Same with Klopp. They haven't won anything in the Prem. Now a lot of people are saying he's hamstrung by the stadium, training facilities. I'm a Wenger man. Like Wenger did that for 20 years, and our club's still where it is now. It's we're not, we only won a few trophies, but we won things. Um, I think Pochettino will be the next guy to go. I don't know if he'll go to Man U. I don't know if he'll go to another Premier League club. I think he's the kind of guy that... I think if you've got Man United and Real Madrid calling, and this is nothing against Man United, you go to Real Madrid. There's something about Real Madrid and Barcelona. Man United is one of the biggest clubs in the world, but I still think Real Madrid has this... It goes back to Galacticos. It goes back to um, Puskas. Like, there's just something about Real Madrid. And if you've got that as a player and as a manager, I think that's where you go. So I don't think you'll see him. And does does Zidane, as much as those players would lift to Zidane because of who he is, does Zidane fit Man United? The interesting thing with Zidane is that despite winning the Champions League Mm. the last couple of years, um, there's still, I think, a bit of a question mark over him because those Real Madrid teams aren't looked back on as like classic or Madrid sides in yeah. the league their form was, was was very erratic yeah they were big game big game sort of Galacticos in a way yeah and you would assume that I mean Zidane is available now mm. so you would assume that if they were going for Zidane they would get him like they'd be working on getting him now they could keep Michael Carrick in that job for yeah. two three weeks however long these negotiations take and then Zidane would be in by January Carrick, Carrick has the job this weekend doesn't he from, yeah, 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 and I think yeah. Next week they're going to appoint this um, the, the long-term caretaker. So it'll be not a six-month appointment. It'll be a long, like an actual. I think it's just the end of the season. season. Okay, yeah. 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 Um. So Carrick is the caretaker, caretaker manager. Um. So yeah, they if they if Zidane, I think if Zidane was in their thinking, then he could be there now. Watch the space. It's only watch this space, and I guess the last thought for me is is what happens to Mourinho and his legacy. You mentioned it. I mean, he was a he was that trailblazer 15 years ago. He did ignite the Premier League. That theatre of the press conference he really brought to life. The the personality of management he really changed all that. But he's been a sorry tale in recent years, and I I wonder where will we see him manage next? I, I can only think that perhaps. Portuguese national team yeah. or something like that is his last frontier. I, I would joke maybe Wolverhampton in the Portugal little borough that they've got in, in, in the Premier League perhaps, but I don't think so. It, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with him and as how we judge him in 10, 20, 30 years' time. Will we still look at him back uh, maybe in the rose into glasses of a Pep Guardiola or will we look back and go, that was fun? 
you know, we, that was a bit of a roller coaster that we enjoyed. But um, we'll leave that chat there because we could go on for, for hours and hours on it, and no doubt it'll go on for weeks and weeks and years and years to come. But we'll segue into something else that happened this week, and, and it is relevant to United because if a Laurent Blanc does get appointed, well, there's a certain Manchester United versus Paris Saint-Germain tie coming up in the Champions League. Dan, just a quick whip around. Um, which tie from the week's draw caught your attention and are you most excited for? Um, I think the, the Liverpool by minute game. Um, should be interesting, you know, the way Liverpool have been going, attacking, uh, you know, with the forward, the front three, and the way they play against Bayern Munich. I think that'll be an interesting game. Chad? I'm starting to think these FIFA draws aren't real. <laughs> the games that... There's cold balls in there for sure. <laughs> because the games that come up are just too coincidental. Like, old manager versus old club, old, like... You know, it's just... You're not the it, first to think that. Yeah, it's just Champions League at its best. Yeah. For me, as I said before, it's about Europa. That's where it's at these days. <laughs> <laughs> all the big teams play that. But um, I'm just excited for all of them. It's great to wake up and you get the games and there's that feeling of the... Cha- you hear the it's the anthem, like, you know, it's an exciting time. And it's just going to be interesting to see the first and second legs. It's really, you know, to see where clubs go with that. What about you, Dad? Yeah, the, obviously the Man United PSG one yeah. really stands out for me. Um, and PSG would have been the most disappointed people in the world after <laughs> yesterday's news, I, I think. Um, a couple of others that, that caught my eye were um, Atletico Madrid versus Juventus. Mm. That's going to be absolutely brilliant. It's just going to be a war of attrition over 180 minutes. <laughs> and two teams who have come so close yet so far yeah, that's in the right. competition. Mm-hmm. And the other one I liked is uh, Barca versus Lyon. So Leon caused Man City some problems, and it's got a nice sort of uh, early two thousands vibe about it. You know, we can remember when when Leon were were a real force in European football. They got to I think maybe two Champions League semi finals. Janino Benzema yeah. days. Yeah, Benzema was the greatest player on FIFA ever. <laughs> Him and Adriano, amazing. And that's a fixture that also produced one of the greatest saves of all time, Barcelona. I think it was uh, Gregory Coupe. He saved yes. one with his head onto yes. the crossbar. Yes. There's a ridiculous looping back pass to him. And it was still, I suppose, in an era where goalkeepers were becoming accustomed to the back pass rule. Yeah. So you'd, you'd still see the occasional air kick and, and you know, howler. Uh, and yeah, he nods it onto his own bar and then saves a follow-up from Rivaldo. It's absolutely amazing. Brilliant. A career of number two behind Fabian Barthez. He would have been scratching himself how he didn't get more caps for his country. The hipster's pick, um, I think, is um, Dortmund Spurs. Um, really intrigued because, as you mentioned, Chad, Pochettino, will he win something? But Dortmund's they're going so well. They're the yeah. hottest property in European football. That could be a dark horse. Um, they always, and like they, they, nothing really changes with Dortmund, especially in the Champions League. They're just constantly always... Always there, always a contender. But this could be this could be just a thrilling I like, rock and roll two legs. Yeah, I'm f- I'm a fan of the Atleti UV one. I think there'll be no goals. It'll be like one goal yeah. in it. <laughs> that will be one for the tactical <laughs> diehards. It, it, it's a, a Catanaccio special that one. But I think that will be a great game tactically to see how they both go at it at home in a way. And Ronaldo back in Madrid. Ronaldo back in Madrid and um, Cellini versus. Uh, uh, what's his name? The Atletico striker. Oh, Diego oh, Costa. Costa. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Simeone down the line, black waving suit, his arms. Black, black tie. His assistant manager who looks, yeah, like a, a hitman in an early nineties, you know, action film. Brilliant. But see, you, sorry, to, you look at um, Simeone. Now he's an old school kind of new school. Like you wouldn't mess with him. No. 
but he works. But the players would run through players brick walls. That's the difference, yeah. And he's got young guys. He's got Griezmann. He's got uh, Lamar. Like he's got these guys, and they all buy into it. Diego Costa. So he's got old guys that buy into it. Because oh, I put Diego Costa in that kind of old yeah. pro that you could yell and scream yeah, and yeah, kick something at him, and he'll deal yeah. with it. But he's got guys like Griezmann mm-hmm. and, and Lamar. That they they all run through a brick wall. And Mourinho was just never able to do that bridge. I don't mm. think they, they, in the, in the last five years yeah. or so. Um, guys, moving on to a couple of. Uh, Different topics. Uh, we'll, we'll roll through them in a bit of a survey form. We'll go to you first, Chad. Um, the, so- the Asian Cup squad for the Socceroos will be out in, in, in any day now, but we don't suspect Aaron Moy will be in it. Or Gutted. Is, it won't be for the early stages of the tournament. Yeah. The, the FFA are sending a uh, dispatching a medical team to Huddersfield to double check the the medical report, but it, it doesn't look good. The no. question to you, Chad, is the Socceroos with Ar- without Aaron Moy are. Um. It's you're losing a key man, and that's tough. That's not just Socceroos; that's any national team. If you lose a key man, that's a real difficult thing to place. I think over the last f- four years, Aaron really hasn't missed a game for the Socceroos. He's a linchpin for us in midfield. Um, gives other players opportunities to step up, but he's a real key guy, which I think is really very hard to replace. I think we'll have mass because I think Millsy is now. I think Millsy will play centre back. Mm. With Trent, I think that's a really good combination there. So you've also lost Mulesy in the centre of the park. You'll and have, Mille. And you've lost Mille, of course, Captain Captain Socceroo. Um So you've got, I'd say you would have Mas Luongo, but you don't have another senior player. And I think also another fact of losing Aaron is not only his ability on the pitch, he's now a senior player in that squad, a guy that those younger guys look up to. So how do you, you're not just replacing a football, Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. You're replacing one of your senior members in what is quite a young national team now. Mm. I think it's a big loss, massive loss. Gav, on the same kind of tone, um, from your insights and, and knowledge of, of the game in Scotland, mm. um, the real perception of Tom Rogic over there, and Daniel Azani too, mm. but Tom Rogic, because that talks specifically to someone who will be impacted by Omoy's absence. Oh, Tom Rogic in Scotland, for the Celtic fans, is totally mm. revered. Absolutely love him. You know what he does. He's an outstanding player. Um, he turns it on in big games for Celtic against the old, in the old firm games, in cup games, and week to week. But you know the standout games, the big games, he always produces for them, and they absolutely love him over there. He's he's done very well there. What did they make of Azani before he got went down injured? Well, he's not. They, they won't have seen too much of him. Obviously, he didn't play too much. Um, I think Azani when he went there took a little bit to acclimatise to the, the level Celtic and <laughs> the weather, of course. Um, yeah, getting used to the sort of Celtic system and how Brendan Rodgers works as well. And he was just obviously just coming into the team and unfortunately got injured. And that's obviously a real shame for him because he's, he's certainly got talent. Uh, uh, sorry, just to interrupt. I was in Glasgow last year, pre-World Cup, to do a feature on Tom um, for Nike. And I don't think Australians realise how much of a god he is. Right. He is a living yeah, legend. Long, yeah. Like I went, it was before the derby, the day they wrapped up the title. And so I went around the ground, I watched the game in the pub outside the stadium, and then I met Tom um, a few days later. Every person I spoke to 
were basically like he's a god. He, he's a legend. He, as you said, he always the, he comes up in big games. He scores goals against Rangers. He's we actually just don't realize. And for when you step back at the end of Tom's career, if he spends his whole career at Celtic, people in Australia don't realize how big that is. Oh, he like mm. he'll be like around. He'll be on the stadium. Like they actually revere him, and that team is pretty much watching them play is built around him. Definitely. He, yeah. he sits at halfway. He doesn't really have to do any of the, the dirty work, and which is guys like Tom, you don't want them doing. You want sure. your team to work and let him sit at halfway. His job is to get the ball and create, and he does that. He gets Definitely. it and he glides and he scores goals, he assists. He's a big lad. He doesn't get bumped off the ball in Scotland. But I don't think in Australia, the football public in Australia actually realise how much of a legend status he right. has over there. Well, Chad, how big is this Asian Cup for him? Have we seen the best of him for the Socceroos, or has he got, got another gear? I think we've seen glimpses. Um, I think he knows it's his time. Uh, you know, we had Millet, we had Tim. Now it's between him, say, Aaron and Trent. It's their team and Maddie. So that core is really, really strong. Um, it's not easy either. Like, I think we all thought Australia going into qualification in Asia was easy. It's not to just turn it on like that. You know, teams, like say, even when you play the lower teams, they're putting 10 in defence. It's very hard to break that down. But I think I think we've seen it in instances, but I think now the next sort of World Cup cycle we'll see, you know, the real Tom. But I, I'm a massive fan and always have been. And one yeah. thing with Tom, my dad always says the great players move differently. You look, I'm not comparing Tom to Zidane, <laughs> who, who is Tom's idol, but Tom moves differently to other footballers. When he's ghosting through, he's a big lad. But when he's ghosting through, he has that. You don't think he's fast, but he just drifts and he glides through. And Tom has that. And I think, yeah, when the next four years will be a big four years for him. Nice. I've seen a few players at Swindon who move like don't move like <laughs> other footballers. <laughs> not, I don't think that's what your dad means. Is it? Yeah. No. <laughs> just the other thing about the connections between Scottish football and and this Australia team is the spine of the team playing for Hibs. I love it. It's like Oleg Lebanovsky's. <laughs> Dynamo Kiev side of the you know nineteen seventies forming the the core of the uh, the Soviet Union team. Well, certainly given Millsy a new lease of life, it's great to see him at the almost the biggest um, opportunity of his career at the twilight end of it. And who knows what that will will give for him, Dave? To another topic, um, with Eden Hazard as a false nine for Chelsea, what is the most fearsome front three in world football? Uh, I guess you would look at the. Liverpool front three and I say that very much through the sort of prism of someone who watches more Premier League football than than anyone else uh, not than anyone else sorry <laughs> it feels like that sometimes um, than any other league but I don't know there could be someone there could be a front three and the Brazilian second division is doing great things but Firmino uh, Firmino isn't quite firing on full cylinders at the moment um, I watch a bit of French football because I, I work sometimes for Le Keep and PSG's front three are, are awesome, and now they've got a manager who can who can get the best best out of them, who can manage their their quite substantial egos. So you're not quite hearing about the same clashes between Cavani and Neymar as you were last year, and Mbappe obviously is an amazing amazing prospect as well. So those front three are amazing, and like I say, now they've got a manager who can who can handle them. Nice, Gav. Cardiff City, where they are on the Premier League table, is probably above where they, they thought they would be. To be honest, um, 
they're battling away. It's obviously difficult, a massive step coming up from the from the championship up into the Premier League, but they're doing well. They're holding their own uh, in some games, not so much in other games. But I think they're probably you know happy with their position at the moment. Can they stay up? Because they're batting massive overs at the moment. Mm. But there's some th- couple of teams who are in the bottom three: Fulham, uh, Burnley, Southampton are struggling. Mm. Huddersfield are on the bubble. They would have assumed Cardiff would have had one of those places. Yeah, and I think everyone did. Um, as, as you know, what happens when they come up. But yeah, they can stay up for sure. Um, there's other teams that are probably struggling more than them at the moment, and uh, Cardiff are hopeful. Hopeful that will continue for them so they can stay up at the end of the season. Nice. Chad, wrap up this segment. Um, Jesse Lingard launching his own fashion line before the Liverpool game. I haven't chosen you deliberately yeah, for any reason yeah, for this yeah. question. Um, is, and for context, the great debate about this was Gary Neville saying the timing was odd. Yeah. Roy Keane saying you shouldn't do it in your career at all because of the distraction of it. So launching a clothing line is... This is, such, this is, so, this is so much bigger than a clothing line. This is, uh, for me... A, it's a misinterpretation of culture or misunderstanding of culture. Um, I do a lot of work with the PFA and they push players to have uh, interests outside of football. Possibly, you know, if it was on a Wednesday night before a big Saturday game, maybe you could have done it on the Sunday. But I was the type of guy that if I, I did, when I concentrated on my football full-time, it was actually too much because I couldn't get out of my head. It was 24-7. I'd go to bed till 3 in the morning thinking about it. I don't really have a problem with it. Um, I think it's fine. As I said, it, it allows him to have interests outside the game. Um, same with you know social media with Paul Pogba. I'm a, I'm a massive fan. I said before, for young footballers, Paul Pogba doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He dances. He does Fortnite on, or he does his dances on, on Instagram. I think it's just a, a misunderstanding of, of culture. Um, I think guys, I know Steve McMahon's had a go at Paul Pogba. Roy Keane, they came from a time where they had a, a Tuesday club where they would go and have benders on a Tuesday night before a game. Probably would have had a bender before a Liverpool game, I'm sure, pretty sure, once in their life. Um, you know, and I go back to say maybe a personal thing on this weekend. Um, Kubina Apikubi played for Western Sydney Wanderers. Very misunderstood young footballer. Um, I was at his wedding on the weekend, which meant so much to me. Um, he's a young African player from the West of Sydney, played for the Wanderers. Kind of had a fallout there, went to Wellington, then to Central Coast, and now he's playing in Korea, and and he's going back. He could not thank me enough. We had many late-night phone calls to get him through different things in his career to where he is now. And maybe it's because I grew up in the West. I listen to the same music. I dress the same. I understand him. Um, but I think there is this... It This is such a bigger issue. It's old football. It's old media misunderstanding a new generation they love their football but they have other interests as well and times are changing And but there's also the flip side do they want it as much now you look at Paul Pogba and you say oh he doesn't want it as much look at him at that World Cup final they know what's at stake and yeah you'll probably see a different Paul Pogba but I think it is it's a it's a really really big question it's not just about the clothing line it's social media it's a misunderstanding of culture yeah, um, I'm probably a bit opposite to yourself. Like during my career, I had to concentrate on football yeah. because I didn't. Obviously, until later on in my career, I was comfortable being a professional football player. Yeah. Um, so I really had to concentrate on it. I was the same. I had to like, but I, I realized at the end, I, I possibly it concentrated too much on it. Too much. Yeah, yeah. I, I would literally 
if we're playing, say the game was on Saturday, I would finish the last game on the Saturday. I'd think about that till Tuesday still. That would st- I wouldn't get to bed till four in the morning the night after the game. I'd still be thinking that, oh, I did that pass wrong, which yeah. no one probably saw. Then I'd start to think about the next game from the Wednesday. Like, literally, my mind would have no, no time off from football yeah. at all. Balance is everything in life, whether you're a journalist, whether you're yeah. a football player, whether you're anything. And the key thing for footballers as well is that idea of what do you do after football. So I suppose if you can balance and add that to your life, that you have that balance, suits your personality... And then you've got something to work into. It's, it's quite funny, like talking about uh, fashion lines and Jesse Lingard. I actually had used to have a fashion line in the UK. <laughs> it's it's not it's not going anymore. But it was wasn't until later on in my career that I was comfortable to be able to do that. So the young ones doing it now, I can understand why the the old school mentality people are thinking, oh, they shouldn't be doing that now. But they're just trying to obviously capitalise on their stardom and, and what they're doing at the moment. I get it. But for me personally, like. It wasn't until I was really comfortable being a pro that I was able to do that because I knew I had to concentrate on football. So then these guys having all these things going on, it, it's great, but I understand obviously the time and you've got yeah. to you've got to watch what you're doing. Sorry. And and you look at Paul Pogba, Man United paid a hundred million for him, roughly. Yeah. They paid, in my estimate, sixty to seventy million. They paid thirty to forty million for brand Pogba, mm. commodity Pogba. Don't. Don't get it twisted. They, they, they bought a brand as mm. well because the Man United brand changed in a way, even the way he was launched as a Man United, which I think Mourinho had a problem with from the start. Mm. That got announced on social media. There was a video done to it. Storms, he did the, the video with him. It's a new new world. And then no one said nothing about Stevie G doing a clothing label at the moment. He's just done a documentary that's on Prime. Sorry. And, um, but he's just launched a, a clothing yeah. label. None of those pundits have a problem with Stevie G. Having a clothing line. He's manager of Glasgow. He's got a lot going on. Uh, yeah, just what you were saying about Pogba there and his massive online presence, I think, is why he was always destined to win in this battle with Jose Mourinho. Um, because, as you say, football has changed and he is seen as more of a commodity than, than Jose. Um He's, you know, someone who's who's out there, and like it or not, it's strange maybe for for um, people of a, an older generation, even for someone, even a, a, a young guy like me, whose hair is only eighty percent white. You know, it, it can be a little bit jarring sometimes when when you when you see, um, you know, that that a player is retained because of his Instagram following, but it's just just the way the world is now it's but, uh, you have to adapt to it we say that with Instagram he's a World Cup winner yeah like people forget that mm. he's a year ago he's a World Cup winner mm. it's not social status he he has won a World Cup and in that sense that's why I'm fascinated to see what happens next there and also in the social media sense it's the, the only interesting th- or, or contrarian thing to that is when you do it at a young age, it's almost like you wonder how much noise is around that player mm. with their support act. Yeah. They are this brand now, it's a commodity. There are so many ways they can exploit that and make money out of it that you do wonder how much pressure the new young player coming through. Like a Jesse Lingard, who's by no means a rock in the 11, who's by no means the biggest name in the team, but is now doing these kind of activities too. So there's, that is another reflection of, of the, I guess, the complicated world of the modern top 
top-end footballer, which is um, just adds the dynamic of that dressing room and and all the complications of those of those big clubs. So um, interesting split vote there, I think, and and we'll see what happens with this clothing line and if it's a. Uh, if it's as, if it goes yeah, down the Gavin Ray line or, or, or not. <laughs> hey, um, just a couple of different stories uh, to throw in as we near the end of the podcast. I don't know if any of you saw this week. It was a very cute letter sent by Crystal Palace and Norwegian player Alexander Sorloff to a fantasy Premier League fan who had left him captain all season long, and he sent a letter saying thank you very much. And it was in it was in Norwegian's one. Got no idea if this is right or not, but I'll, I'll go with it. Um, thank you for leaving me as captain. I have about what fifteen fans. One of rattles off his family's name, and then and you. And I don't think Alexander Soroth has got too many points for this player this year. Which asks the question, and I'll go to you, Dave, because I know you get s- swarms of fan mail every single. I could barely cartoon. get here today. Yeah. <laughs> What's the funniest, randomest, nastiest bit of fan mail you've ever received? <laughs> I try to hide my address. No one actually knows where I live, so there's not really many ways for people Twitter, to communicate. Fan Twitter. <laughs> um, people are overwhelmingly um, nice about about the cartoons. I got to say, I get off pretty lightly. I've said it said it before. Um, I think that it would be a different story if I if I was a woman writing football cartoons or writing about football. I see the the abuse that. That friends of mine who who are women who write about football get online. So sorry, I've taken this to a really dark place. You wanted like a fun, light-hearted segment. Is that true, though? Is that yeah, yeah, really? Yeah. Um, So I've got a friend who writes about rock music, and just the abuse she gets for any article she puts up online. Just and she writes album and gigs reviews, and yeah, and obviously your your job there is to be as as a, act as a critic so I'm always conscious of that when I, when I do sort of uh, whinge about the occasional bad comment because they do stick in your head um, but at the same time I'm aware, I'm aware that in my job my job is to take the piss out of football and to sort of poke, poke a stick at people a little bit and poke a stick at, the, at their opinions and so I've got to expect a bit of flack but the flack I get isn't um, isn't bad really um, yeah, a couple not so nice stories. Probably when I was at Dundee, one of our one of our players, who Neil McCann, who was the former manager of Dundee as well, got sent something in the post that wasn't particularly nice from a Dundee United fan. Um, it's I don't know if you can say it, but it basically sent a shit in the post. <laughs> Actually, a letter in the post, which is incredible. Um, you know, back in the day, all these sort of things go on. But Express. <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. Probably not if it was Dundee, to be honest. <laughs> it's not a big place. So, uh, yeah, no, nah, there's, there's lots of stuff going. Just like a funny story just on, you know, fans and stuff. Um, I played in my last year at Dundee. You no, know, one season at Dundee, I'd played 40 games and we were going into Europe. So I got the, the last game of the season off because we we're only having two weeks off. So I was out, out for a night out the night before, went down with the team on the bus and one of the players wasn't registered. So the manager says, well, you need to go on the bench. And I was like, I was serious I was out last night you know because I obviously wasn't expecting to play because I was only getting two weeks off because I was going away with Scotland so the kit man hadn't packed my kit had to go and ask a fan for a strip with my name on it and there's not many people had my name on their strip because I was never one of that players you know that was a flashy player but there was just luckily there was a girl that had it on so I played I ended up coming on in the game for about 10 minutes with a top with rain in the back uh, stinking of perfume (laughs) (laughs) one for the park footballers out there a great tactic that might have gone under the radar did any of you see in the Liverpool Man U game when Romelu Lukaku had the first goal disallowed he was actually offside 
But he was offside because Sadio Mane gave him a little nudge when he was off balance in the lead up and he sort of sort of just toppled over into that offside position. What's the sneakiest thing you've done or had done to you on a, on a football field like that? Oh, I was never too too dirty a player. Of course. <laughs> um, you just went through their shins. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't sneaky. It was yeah, no, nah, yeah, just, it was just blatant, to be honest. Um, I can't really remember too much during just obviously stepping on people's toes and corners and stuff, just the usual sort of stuff. Um, I thought the one from Manny was brilliant. He was like a step ahead of Lukaku. Yeah. He's obviously a lot smaller, but he knows I'm just going to push him here before he, he takes the free kick, which is brilliant, and he goes in offside position. It's really sharp. Yeah. Change what, the game. What's the difference between that and diving, then? Ooh. Good question. Because if, if, if you get away d- with it, isn't okay. It? But if you dive, people have got a big problem yeah. with it. But then they're saying that's that's football smarts. Yeah. But he's cheating. He's talking too logically, Chad. No, I know. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna throw a light one in here. We, I used to have two players that became former teammates, two young guys, the Simpson brothers. One um, unfortunately passed away, but we were playing them um, before we all got to the A League. Um, and they were just kicking lumps out of me. Like two of them played centre midfield. They're both like six foot six, and they just were not giving me a break. So I got to like the sixtieth minute, and I'd had enough. And I turned around to uh, one of them, and I said, oh, "Some game today, mate. Well done. We're in the centre of the park. So did really well. Uh, and your numbers just come up." Uh, and he's like, shook my hand. He goes, "Yeah." And so he's run all the way off. And the coach goes, what are you doing? Goes, I thought you were subbing me off. <laughs> <laughs> so he came back on and kicked me even harder, but I got I got a good 30 seconds on him. So. <laughs> nice. nice. Guys, last segment for today. It's a quick whip around uh, in the transfer market. We're not far off from the January window, and there's a few to run through here. Um, buy, hold, or sell. Gav, Isco, Real Madrid to Manchester City or Bayern Munich? Buy, hold, or sell. Oh, you'd have to if you buy Isco if you've got an opportunity, for sure. I mean, he's obviously, I don't know what's going on with him just now. Madrid doesn't seem too happy either, but what a player. Yeah. What a player. It is odd because he's got a, he's actually got a monstrous release clause too, but apparently, um, because there's something going on with him and Solari, I'm not sure mm. why because he's magnificent. Mm. Um, apparently, either a City or a buy in, if they basically eclipse what they sold Ronaldo for, which is 100, a bit over 100 pounds, he's some player. Pounds, yeah, he's they might let him go. What a scalp if they do get him. Um, Chad, Kalidou Koulibaly, Napoli's rock at the back to uh, Manchester United. If I was an Arsenal man, I would take all three. I think we need all three. Um, he's he's an amazing player. I think we saw the other week when he played, they played Liverpool mm. in the Champions League, um, how good he was, like just everywhere. You know, at the back of the pitch, then he's running forward, he's in the attack, but super strong and... Central defenders these days are worth their weight in gold because there's actually not many really good ones. Mm. Um, big like, big I, money ones. Big, big money guys that are solid week in, week out. You look at what Van Dijk's done to Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. He's literally, as much as everyone goes on about their attacking side of things, Van Dijk's been the guy that's really shored things up there. I think I put Van Dijk, uh, Koulibaly and Varane, I think's really a guy that probably could have got Footballer of the Year as well, could have won the Ballon d'Or. Those are three guys, but I would... I'd take all three in a heartbeat. If I was a manager and you had a chance to go buy those three guys, I think they're, there's good footballers and there's like there's the next echelon mm. and then there's like Messi and Ronaldo kind mm. of guys. They're in that you mm. know, really great players. Dave, Anthony Martial, and how much has the last 24 hours changed that personal situation? Yeah, obviously he clashed with, with Mourinho over the summer. He Mourinho gave him a hard time because he wanted extra extra time to attend the birth of his child which is obviously from a player's point of view completely um, 
out of order. I mean, <laughs> uh, appalling behaviour, ill discipline. How human. Um, but I mean, that goes back to what we were saying earlier about Mourinho not maybe being able to relate to to, to players so well. Um, so yeah, Marcio. I mean, all of those United players have now got a, a new lease. Um, for some of those, it means they have to prove themselves again. So players who were the favourites under Mourinho, like uh, Fellaini. Uh, Scott McTominay, they've they've got to start from from square one. They're probably two of the people who are unhappy about him going. Mm. Uh, but yeah, for the rest of them, it's they're off the leash. Three, four people in the world: McTominay, Fellaini, Matic, Squires, me. Yeah. Um, Chad, to wrap up with you one because you're wearing your PSG shirt today. Adrian Rabiot, Adrian Rabiot, I should say, he won't resign, and it looks like he's indefinitely benched. Yeah. Bayern Munich, Liverpool. Is this guy going to be one of January's hot topics? Uh, January's a tough time. It, it is. Is he on his last year as well? Yeah. He'll go then. Oh, sure. will he though? PSG don't have to sell black. Sure, yeah. They don't care about $25 million. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, I've watched him for a long time now. I've been fortunate enough to watch him live. A great young footballer. Um, just sort of cruises through the middle of the park, wins the ball, very good on the ball going forward. Um, a good linchpin. Could go to a Spurs quite easily. Could go to Arsenal. As I said, I take all three of them. I think Isco is the one. Isco is like people don't actually realise how good he is. I love Isco. Pro- probably eclipsed by the guys he plays with. But um, yeah, Rabiot to the Prem. Definitely, I think it's time. Yeah, been linked with Liverpool. So there we go. January, January rumor there, guys. Just to wrap up. Now we've got the Christmas season coming up, but we have so much Premier League on off to sport this weekend. Of Shameless course. plug. <laughs> <laughs> And on the 27th on Optus Sport as well. So fill your boots. Just quickly, what are you guys looking forward to on the weekend? One each. Um, the Cardiff, Cardiff City and Man United, obviously, is an interesting one this weekend. And obviously, been a former club. So really looking forward to that one. See how, see how that pans out and whether Man United get that quick boost, quick, quick injection they're looking for. Uh, Liverpool versus Wolves, I think. It's, uh, I think Wolves are going to give Liverpool a real test. They've They've finally started to score some goals. And I think that yeah, Wolves will present Liverpool with more problems than Manchester United did last weekend. Well, one thing Manchester United's discussion did is put Liverpool to go on top of the table on the off the back pages for a couple of days and bump them off this podcast, which is hard to believe. But we'll come to them. Long season, we'll come to them at another point. Chad, what about you? Arsenal game, of course, but Man United. I'm really interested to see um, see some smiles, see some guys playing football again. I'm really see how you know the Pogbars, the Mutters. How these guys and Martial, um, you know, when you start saying those names, McTominay, McTominay, uh, <laughs> I think Man United fans of Alexis Sanchez might come in out of the cold. Um, but I, I'm, yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting week to see how the club transforms now. The biggest one, the, probably the biggest matchup of the week, the most even matchup is probably Everton Spurs. Not that it's going to happen this weekend, but I am fascinated to see if the subplot of Pochettino's future does start to creep into the narrative around Tottenham and, and what happens there. I'm not saying it happened this weekend, but I think it is one to watch over the coming weeks. Gents, thank you so much for dropping in. been great chatting football with you again. 45, 50 minutes has flown by. Um, and to all the listeners out there, if you made it to the end, which we hope you did, Merry Christmas to you and uh, have a great and safe time with your family over the next week. Until the next podcast, enjoy all your football.